Good morning. It's been said that living life without regret is not needing to ask, what if? What if I had not eaten that bowl of ice cream? What if I had not driven that fast near that cop? What if I had just listened to my parents? What if I had just told that person I was sorry? What if I had obeyed God? when I was younger. Having regret over ice cream is one thing, but having regret over life or with God is another thing. You ever thought about some of the people in the Bible? And what if? What if Abraham had said, no, I'm not going to offer Isaac, sorry. What if Noah had said, build an ark for 100 years? No thanks. What if Moses had said, no way, I'm going back to Egypt to lead the nation. What if Daniel had said, you know what? It's not worth getting eaten by lions. I'm just going to stop praying. What if the disciples had said, we're not going to leave our family and follow you. You're going to have to do it all right here in the comfort of our situations. What if Peter had said, there is no way I'm getting out of this boat and walking on water. What if Paul had said, risk imprisonment, risk being beaten and run out of town for Christ? No, thank you. Or if you study early church history, and if you ever read the book, The Fox's Book of Martyrs, what if any one of them had said, mm, nah, be burned at the stake? Eh, no, no, thank you. What if Christopher Columbus had said, there's no way I'm setting sail? Or Abraham Lincoln had said, nah, I'm not, the cost for freeing the slaves is too great for me. What if D.L. Moody when he was in Sunday school class, had said, eh, I know it would be incredible if God would use one man, but not me, I'm not interested. What if Billy Graham had said, the cost of traveling all over the world and evangelizing thousands, uh, no thank you. What about you? What if? What about me? What if? You see, everyone has regrets. There are all things in our life that, w- that we ask what if about. But this morning, I want to share with you, uh, not for those who have had what ifs, but perhaps for someone who is currently in a what if. Ever watched a movie or a TV show, and at the end, you thought to yourself, there's got to be more? You ever been in a relationship, and you thought, there's got to be more? This past week, I was meeting with someone... And sitting across from the table, and they said, you know, I said, how was your summer? And they said, you know, this summer, I've been really spiritually dry. Now, what struck me about that is the person that said that is not a believer. That I don't think they would even say they're a believer. But in evaluating their summer, they're like, there's, there's, there's got to be more. 
And I thought, as I, as I listened to that person, I thought, I, w- I wonder if I would have said that. If I would have been honest and somebody said to me, Chuck, how was your summer? I wonder if I could have said or would have said, well, you know what? There's got to be more. What if I was more in tune with God? What if I had said no or said yes or whatever the situation might be? In the Christian life, have you ever felt that there's got to be more? Have you ever wondered what God truly expected of you? There are many verses in the Bible where God tells us what he expects from us. And I'm going to read some of them, and if you want to jot any one of these now, they would make a great personal study on your own. My guess is you know almost all of them. Micah 6.8, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly before God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.2, seek things which are above, not things on the earth. Luke 14, where it talks about whoever does not give up everything cannot be Jesus' disciple. James 1.29, if you want to be religious, take care of orphans and widows and their distress and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Matthew 22, where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ephesians 5.1, where it gives us that impossible command to be imitators of God. Matthew 6.33, we're told to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Galatians 2.20, where Paul demonstrates it by saying, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but as Christ that lives in me. And if you look through these verses, you discover that these are not optional. These are not like, hey, if you want to, you should think about being an imitator of God. If you want to, you should act justly and love mercy and walk humbly. If you, you know, if you ever wanted to try something different, you could if you wanted to. It's okay if you don't. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, these, these verses, we read those and we're so familiar with them. But if you truly understand them, they're not optional. They're, there's not like, you know, when you buy a car, you know, if you buy a brand new car, you can buy, oftentimes you might buy an S, but maybe it's an SE model, you know, and then an SEL model, and then maybe, you know, an SEL premium model. You know, as you get higher up, there's more options. And the Christian life is not that way. God's not saying, hey, I'm looking for some S-E Christians. I'm looking for some S-E-L Christians, you know, with the leather seats and the heated seats. You know, ooh, that'd be great. I'm looking for some Christians that have the nav system, you know, and the camera when you're backing up. That's what I'm looking for. It doesn't work that way. These verses are not optional. They're God's expectations for anyone who wants to call themselves his child. Anyone who wants to say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I trust him alone for my salvation, these are the verses that we are to live our life after. How do we do that? How do I be all that God wants me to be? How do I live out these humanly unfair expectations that God has on me? So I kind of want to look at it from two, in my mind, they make sense, but from two angles. One is, what does God expect from us as believers? And then two, what if I decide not to do that? What if I decide to just continue on life doing it my way? I will tell you up front, 
that um, <clears throat> the good news is you're, you're going to get out early. I don't have a lot to share. You know, the good news is that it's very simple, that you'll, you'll hear these and like, wow, really? And how long did it take you to come up with those three things? The bad news is most of us are not going to buy into it. Even myself, I'm just being honest. As I write these three things down on paper and wrestle with these this week, I think, I don't know if that's Chuck Holt. So there, there's good news in this message and there's bad news. And I guess the challenge is, um, you know, another what if. What if you decide to say, I'm going to take God up on these three things? Because if you read the scriptures, when Jesus is laying out what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him, he, he doesn't give options. He doesn't even make it easy. In fact, he intentionally makes it impossible. So let's look at them together. The first one is in Luke chapter 14. If you have a Bible and you'd like to turn, I'm not sure where it's found in your pew Bible. But if you start at Genesis, you'll get there. <clears throat> Luke chapter 14 in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. What does God expect from us? What does God expect from me? Luke chapter 14. The first one is, ready for this? Pretty simple. Total surrender. Not 80%, not 95%, not 99.98. Total surrender. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 14. Follow along as I read it out loud, starting verse 26. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. Now, if you want the sidebar, if you want to Google reasons why people don't believe in God, you'll find this is one of those. They would take verses out of context and say, what kind of God would say hate your wife? What kind of God would say hate your children? Who wants to follow a guy like that? Sometimes I do that for the fun of it. I'll read those things, and then I find myself getting worked up, you know, because you can't, well, it doesn't make sense to, to give a rebuttal, but they're, they're taking things way out of context. Um, but at first thought, that's what Jesus says. If anyone comes after me he, and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's pretty heavy. Now, some teenagers read that and it's like, yes, I finally have a reason to not like my mother, because Jesus said to. And if you go through and you read the rest of the passage, you'll understand quickly, if, if you want to, look at verse, uh, sorry, I'm getting used, verse 33, I think it says, I'm not sure, I think it's verse 33. It's either 33 or 88, and I don't think there's 88 verses in this chapter. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. And that's the example that he gives to explain this. You have to love God more than you love your spouse. You have to care enough or love God more than you love your children. Uh, yesterday morning, I was able to go to the hospital with a teen at the factory who just had a baby. And they all, and, and, and you've said this before, when, you, when those of you have had babies, um, it's an incredible how quickly you can fall in love with someone. And, you know, to hear, you know, this, this young girl say, it's, it's amazing the intense love that I have for this baby. And Jesus says, you know that intense love? You have to love me more than that. 
You have to even you have to even hate yourself. In other words, you have to have total surrender. My agenda, my life, my family, my finances, my house, my fill in the blank. Whatever it is, we have to surrender that to God. Everything. One of my favorite stories, and I don't know if I know all the facts, but it's still my favorite story, um, is when the great Chicago fire, and I, I believe it was um, uh, Horatio Spofford, and we know, we know kind of the songs that he wrote, but I believe that he had just committed uh, his business over to God. And he said, God, it's yours. It's not mine. And he gets word soon after that that his business is on fire, and he goes out there, and he stands there in front of the fire, and he, and he laughs. And somebody goes, why, why are you laughing? Why are you so excited? Your business is dying. And he says, because I just gave it over to God, and apparently he wanted to burn it down. <clears throat> but that kind of total surrender that says, whatever my agenda is for today, whatever my plans, whatever my life, whatever I'm moving towards, whatever I'm saving up for, whatever I, you know, whatever, my blank, fill it in. I surrender that to God. And that's what Jesus says. You can't go halfway. You can't go three quarters. But you know what I found in my life? And maybe you found this in yours. I don't do total surrender. Oh, I might do total surrender for a day or a week or it's kind of like New Year's resolutions. I might do it for, yeah, until January 18th. But do I truly do total surrender? Do I truly hate everything in comparison to my love for my God? As I put myself through that litmus test, I fall short. I don't like total surrender because I like Chuck Holt and I like stuff that I like and that I'm doing. And, and Jesus says, if you're not willing to total surrender, you're just playing games. Kind of heavy. But if that wasn't enough, there's another total. First one is total surrender. We see that in Luke 14. And the question I must ask is, have I really given up everything for Christ? Not just the material things, but the immaterial things. The second one is found in Matthew. If you want to turn over to Matthew 16. In addition to total surrender, what Jesus is asking of us, what God is expecting of us, is total dependency. In other words, I cannot do anything without you, O God. Now that hits to the core of who we are. But listen to the verse, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Now, we've heard those verses so many times, but read it again just by yourself. I will pause. Read it again and put your name in there. In our culture, we are all about making a name for ourselves. We're all about protecting a reputation. Has anyone ever maligned you or said something bad about you and then you just want to correct it immediately? That's the beauty of Facebook. Facebook is where you correct it, right? <laughs> you know, and then you've got 20 people that join your cause and 20 more that join the other person's cause, and it's just incredible, wonderful drama. <clears throat> but there's something built inside. When somebody says something about us that's not true, we immediately want to correct it. And what God is saying in this verse is, listen, it, it's, 
It is not about you. You have to have total dependency on me. Do I really believe, and you can ask yourself this question, that I can't do anything without God? I'll let you in on a little secret, that there's a part of me that has pride. I can, I can do some pretty cool stuff. I think, I've looked back on some of my stuff, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. Not just material things, you know, I, I take pride in the fact that, you know, I can take a computer apart and put it together, you know. I take pride in that I can do this, you know, and I, there's some things that, honestly, at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, I feel you lay your head on your pillow and you think, I feel really good about this. That's, that's just how I'm wired. And there's many times I lay my head in my pillow and I think I'm another failure, but, you know, just, you get both of those. And uh, God gives you the second to compensate for the first, you know, and, uh, but here's the thing, though. Is that what I want? Chuck stuff. Because you know what? Chuck stuff has a short life cycle. Now, it's bigger than some of your stuff. My life cycle is bigger than yours. And my life cycle is smaller than some of your stuff. But you know what I long for? Is God's stuff. Because, man, that has a long life cycle. In fact, that has an eternal life cycle. But in order for me to be about God's stuff, I have to give up Chuck's stuff. I have to realize that Chuck's stuff is useless. It's worthless. And I have to say, God, this morning when I get up, I'm totally dependent on you for anything and everything. Whatever comes out of my mouth, whatever my mind wants to think, whatever my body wants to do, I'm totally dependent on you. And I got to confess to you this morning, I don't always live that way. I don't always get up and say, God, it's not about me today, it's about you. You know how I know that? Because sometimes I get myself frustrated. And I'm, and I'm frustrated at a situation or a person or whatever. And that's when God's like, listen to you. You think it's all about you, don't you? And I realize it's not. It can't be. If I want God's stuff to happen. So the first one's pretty heavy for me. And maybe it is for you. Total surrender. My agenda, my life, my plans, my family, my finances, my fill in the blank. And then the second one's pretty difficult as well. Total dependency. We're not taught in our society to be dependent on other people. We're taught to be independent. But yet God is saying total dependency. In fact, if you want to follow me, you're going to lose your life. And we're going to have to pick up our cross. And there's some debate as to what that means. It's not the idea of walking around with a heavy burden on me. It's like, hey, look at my cross. You know, but back then, right now, to us, cross is a wonderful symbol. Back then, it was a sign of death. And we've got to be willing to say, whatever I do, I mean, I'm okay if this takes me to the cross. I'm okay if I die. I'm willing to, you ever hear this phrase? I'm willing to die on that mountain. There's not a lot of mountains we should be willing to die on, except God's mountain. Total dependency. And the third is another total. Besides total surrender, besides total dependency, the third one is found in Philippians chapter 3. If you don't mind turning over there. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to learn this one from the Apostle Paul. It's similar to the first two. It really takes the first two and messes them together, and, and the third one's kind of result of those two. Because if you have total surrender and you have total dependency, then this third one kind of will happen as a byproduct. And that is total abandonment. Not my will, not my desire, not even my way. It actually has nothing to do with me. 
And that's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom's sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And if you know, you've heard this passage spoken on, the, the literal word there, Paul, when he's talking about rubbish, is actually, is actually human waste or animal waste or waste. Dung is actually in, paraphrased in some versions. Paul says, I think of all my achievements. I think of everything that I could possibly have and compared to knowing Jesus, I flush it down the toilet. I flush my degrees. I flush my achievements. I flush my patents. I don't have any patents, but if I did... You know, Steve Jobs took all mine, but hey, you know, somebody's got to. And, you know, I flush everything about me and my life and my world and what gets me up in the morning and what excites me and what gives me validation. I flush it all down the toilet because it pales compared to knowing Christ. I'm willing for total abandonment. And I got to tell you, I don't even know, you know, I almost left that one out because Today, you can do two instead of three points. It's okay anymore. Used to be you had to do three, or everybody's like, what? There's something missing. You can do one now, and it works. And total abandonment, I don't even know what that looks like, because honestly, I don't think I'm doing it. I don't, I don't know. I, I, the moment I say, man, I am totally abandoned all for, you know, it's like, well, you're not, you're not abandoning one thing. <laughs> the humility part isn't there yet. You know, but when I think about these three, and I massaged them, and, I, and I've been marinating over these for a couple weeks, and uh, now I'm putting them on the grill. Sorry, just, just in case you're hungry, I wanted to, you know, you're like, man, think about it, though. Total surrender. Total surrender. Total, what's the other one? This is the test, see if you know. Total dependency, total surrender, total dependency, mix them up together, and you have total abandonment. I don't know what that looks like. I, I think I might. I think I might, I think I might have done that here and there, but you know what? I, I always, like, Set it back down again, like, okay, <laughs> tried that for a while. Now let me go back to Chuck. But what God is calling, what he expects of us, is total abandonment. If you want to brag, Paul once said, if you want to brag, okay, let's brag. I can play that game too. And you know the passage where Paul brags. It's like, man, I was this, I was this, I was best of this, I was the best of this, I was the best of that. You know, all I can tell you is I was in the top six of my class. Now, there were six of us, but hey, at least I was in the top six. You know, but Paul's like, I was the best at this, best of this, best of this. But here he says, I consider it all rubbish. I, I, I consider it lost. I'm okay if it's gone forever compared to knowing Jesus Christ. What if, what if this morning you decided, I'm signing up for total surrender? I'm signing off for total dependency, and I'm signing off for total abandonment. What could God do in this community, in your family, in your life, if you signed up for that and you truly meant it? If I signed up for it and I truly meant it. Play another video clip. Think about that. Think about what God is expecting of you. And what he could do if you said, I'm willing to do that.
I think intellectually, we say, yeah, we want to be a part about, we want to be a part of something that's set out to change the world. And maybe emotionally, we feel that as well. You know, when I watch a video like that, it kind of tugs on my heart, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go. <clears throat> the problem is, it's more than just the rah-rah speech. It's more than just the, the winter camp, the winter retreat. It's more than just the Beth Moore simulcast. Those are all good. It's more than just the Sunday morning sermon. It's more than just following Jesus and watching him do miracles. And that's why Jesus stopped and paused and says, hold on a second and make sure you got this clear. What I'm really looking for is total surrender. What I'm really looking for is total dependency. What I'm really looking for is total abandonment. Without that, I, I, I really can't. I really can't work with you. In fact, you really can't even align yourself with me because that's what I'm about. And obviously Jesus modeled that. And now requires it of us. That's what he expects. <clears throat> I think of 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What if your existence was for so much more than what you're doing? It's so easy Jan and I were talking about this before, Jan, Jan and I were talking about this before. It's so easy to, even though we know we should have eternal perspectives, to have a, the perspective of today, of this life. What do I have to do? What's mine? What's yours? What can I let you borrow and what I'm not going to let you borrow because you might break it, you know what I mean, because it's mine, it's not yours. You know, and, um, and uh, <clears throat> it's so easy to focus on that, yet God calls us to focus on so much more. He calls us, each one of us, to do what Jesus did to care, to change. But in order for us to do that out there, we have to do it in here. Dwell on this verse just for a second. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. In other words, you can't think it up or write it down. You can't even hear it spoken. Well, God has prepared for those who love him. That's crazy. That's not Chuck stuff. That's not Grace Point stuff. That's God's stuff. And I think that's what that's God's calling us to do. But where do we begin? How do, does one totally surrender, totally be dependent on God, totally abandon everything about who I am and what I want and follow God? I don't know. But it's in here. And it's in dwelled in me. And I gotta tell you, in the last three weeks, I've gone through a lot. I texted my wife this morning and I said, Pray for me, I feel hugely inadequate. Because what we are doing in this community is way beyond me. It's it's so far beyond me, it's not even funny. And I've I've been face to face with my inadequacy this last month. Hence, hence the message. And um, one of the things God has said to me is, well, you keep doing it in your own strength and you'll keep being adequate. If you like that plan, go along with it. And I need to spend more time in this, not just to prepare a sermon or not just to give a devotional or not just to speak somewhere, but to fill me up. And my guess is I'm not a whole lot different than many of you, that we are Christians, many of us, and we're playing the game, we're walking the walk, and we're talking the talk, but 
what if God has so much more planned? What if? I don't want to continue my life with regrets. And I want to sign up and say, God, I don't know what it looks like. I'm not even sure where to begin. I wish I could tell you now three more steps on how to do this. <laughs> I just know it's here, and I know it's inside me because God's Spirit dwells within me. And I think those two working together, I'm going to begin to know. And it's going to look different for each one of us. But the question I'd like to leave you with, and to leave myself with, are you willing to trust and follow God? Kind of simple, yet incredibly profound. Totally surrendering, totally dependent, and totally abandoning of yourself. If you are, and if I am, then God has so much more than we could ever think about prepared for us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, so much for just loving me and, and just never giving up on me and putting up with me, God, because you, you intensely want me to be your disciple. And God, I, I know that you have so much more planned for me in my life, but it requires me to let go. That is incredibly difficult to do. And God, I'm assuming this morning that I'm not all alone, that there's many in here that are at sometimes ask, we ask ourselves, what do you expect from us? And what if there's so much more than what I'm doing? God, teach us how to trust you and follow you, regardless of the cost or regardless of the consequences. In Jesus' name, amen.